All right, back here on the Sports Grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing, spending the one and twos in this R&B Friday, 877-37-GRIND is your number. Um, okay, so keeping it moving before we move on from the game last night, um, today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a Dose, so we are broadcasting here from the Hazel Sky Online Studios. And again, we want to welcome in the score out in Lubbock Inn. Um, you know, if you're just joining us, uh, technically we've just been talking. First of all, we started with the unfortunate news, uh, if you haven't heard, but uh, Jim Brown, uh, legendary NFL running back, passed away. Um, he said at age 87, right? 87. Uh, 87 mm-hmm. years old. Um, so... Gave my thoughts and condolences, of course, to his family. Just talked about, you know, Jonas grew up in the Ohio area, definitely way before his time. Uh, like I said, his dad was only six at the time. Um, but even so, yeah. you know, growing up, yeah. in, in, in the team returning in 1999, mm-hmm. there was still only two jerseys that everybody in Ohio wore for the first, I don't know, 10 years of the team being back, and that was either going to be uh, a number 19, Bernie Kosar, or right. a number 32, Jim Brown. Right, yeah. And, you know, it is, it, you know, I didn't think about it that way, but it is true. Like, you know, you t- guys that are just really connected to a certain franchise, and you see it in other sports where you come back around, you do this, but the truth of the matter is it is kind of like you allude to. You never really got to see, you know, Cleveland come back. You know, to get back to its promise and the promise, you know, basically when he won, you know, championships there. But thoughts and prayers to him and his family. And I was reminded while scrolling Twitter during the break uh, this year, you know, just like the NBA has started to do with their trophies. And, you know, here we get into the postseason and now all the trophies have names to honor those, you know, that have kind of paved the way for the game to be where it is now. Mm. Um, this year was the, the first year the NFL's Rushing Leader Award was named the Jim Brown Award hmm. uh, back in February. So, it's you know, when, when you talk about, you know, being able to give people their flowers while they're here and Jim right. Brown was that was one of his, you know, more recent and last public appearances. Hmm. Um, you know, he was able to receive that recognition, those flowers from the league. You know that again. He helped transform, and uh, it's it's you know it is nice to know that he was able to receive that honor while he was here. No, well said. I mean, yes, um, definitely going to be trip uh, big tributes. I see anticipate coming to him this football season, especially uh, from the Cleveland Browns. Um, also, well, let me ask you real quick before I go back in this late game because I was you you got going on there last segment. We were talking about it. What? Because I know before we came, you were like looking like, wow, it took the Browns still hasn't released, they still haven't had it. What? what what's your opinion, or what have your thoughts, or what you've heard? What, what was the relation? What has the relationship been like with Jim Brown, and let's say this new ownership, the latest ownership in Haslam? I mean, what has it been? And I would say even Haslam going back to the previous owner, what has his relationship been with the Browns? You know, in the last, I say, ten, the last decade. Well, Haslam's owned the team for the last decade, but yeah. even the learners before that, uh, before the Haslam's, um, it's 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 been great. You know, okay. it's really been one of those things that never has. I mean, 
you got to go back to the reason why he left the Browns and really pursuing the acting career. And you go back to that, go, that's right back in Art Modell's pocket and, you know, Paul Brown's pocket right back in the day. And Paul, you know, that's part of the separation. Paul Brown, you know, leaving the team. He goes on Cincinnati, creates the Brown, you know, the, the Cincinnati Bengals with Paul Brown Stadium and everything. He, I mean, Jim Brown and, and just kind of his impact and what he wanted to do being more than a football player, being able to utilize his youth, you know, be act, you know, as an activist, go be an actor. A lot of that's what created the tension between the front office. Hmm, um, yeah. Him him and Paul Brown didn't want him taking time off to go doing his do his acting. And, and that was part, you know, I think Art Modell you know, was in his corner with that. And so when you have all the... the, the that part of the history and changes the trajectory of the Cleveland yeah. Browns franchise yeah. for forever. But as far as the team and, you know, since then and ever, 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 ever since, I mean, he shows up to training camp every year you know, or, or, you know, he did show up to training camp every year, um, has been around all the rookies. I mean, he announced uh, the, the pick for Nick Chubb in 2018, you know, kind of a passing of the torch there in the second round pick. Um, so it's been he's definitely been around, and the team now has released their statement. The Haslam's have now released a statement. You know, it was it's breaking news still. You know, right. this this news is 15 minutes old to the world right now. Yeah, just bad, sad news to uh, end the week on in regards to passing to Jim Brown. Uh, we also talked about, we started to break down last night's game, um, game two of the Western Conference Finals, um, 108 to 103 uh, for the, the uh, Nuggets over the Lakers. Um, really, you know, Murray, Flory for Murray, exploded for 24 points in the third quarter. Um, I kind of talked about Anthony Davis, I think just as a – as the media and the fan base, it, it, we just need to accept that this is who that's who Anthony is. I mean, there could be reasons about it. And honestly, I, I'm surprised no one really. And that just shows you like how many people like I don't even want to use the word hate on Anthony Davis, but how many people are what they think of people, like what they think of him, the society, because you would, and other athletes, you would like, why is it? You know, why is he so up and down from one game and give you 40 and the other and he goes five for 14 and he gives you 12, 14 points? Why is that? Nobody talks about possibly it could just be his health and his body and his recovery. He just can't recover, especially when days or games are coming every other day. Remember that Anthony Davis, if I'm not mistaken, what we were in March. Early part of March, I mean, we were pretty much about a few weeks. I would even say in the middle, toward the, I would say about still about three weeks, two weeks left in the season. And Anthony Davis just played his first back-to-back game all year. Okay? And this goes back to where it comes full circle about this whole load management and where's the data and where does it show that this is really working. All we can do by the, the naked eye test just really that – it's not really working because, again, I believe part of the up and down and the conditioning, and we've seen it with the injuries with Kawhi and everything, you just – these guys that are, you know, pretty much kept in bubble wrap through 82 games and can't play back-to-back, so whether they're rehabbing, coming off of injury or not, it's just – you take that, but then when we – this is what I think coaches and staffs and medical staffs going to have to look at. When you go into the postseason and then you're talking about spiking a guy that's been in the league over a decade – and I don't really care if you've been in the league a decade or not, but that that doesn't help. But you sit there and spike a guy's minutes to 40 minutes and you expect him to play all this. I mean, Anthony Davis and LeBron and I think it was the Murray and the Joker, they played all the second half. 
They played the whole second. I mean, I know Joker and Murray did. Joker and Murray played the whole second half. That's why if you look at Murray, those shots he was hitting toward the end when he got hot, he was gassed and whatever. But you know what? The adrenaline kept him going and kept him you like you're hitting shots. So everything's going. But he could barely finish his postgame interview. But my point is with Anthony Davis, I think we just need to accept that this is who this guy is. He, he's not like we need to appreciate the, you know, the Shaquille O'Neal's, the Kobe Bryant's, the MJ's, the Tim Duncan's, the Charles Barkley's the guys that just in a series four out of seven they're coming in their worst game in the playoff is really going to be like maybe 25 points 23 points and they had to take 30 shots to get there I mean the some of I mean that's where I think that criticism comes for Anthony Davis but he's never he's just not that guy and I think Part of this has to do with his health, but everybody likes piling on him. Every Some people think he's soft, so nobody's going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Also, um, in that game, and, and really, we're, look, it's 2-0, okay? The Denver Nuggets have yet to lose a game at home in the playoffs. That's one. Now, the Lakers haven't lost a home game since March. But that I feel like that was the game for the Lakers to take last night. I think that was the series. I think that was a game that basically would have probably made this a seven-game series. But you're talking about, look, even if Denver goes back to where it's going back to the crypto center, we know that their role players, and this is where Denver's really deep, in their depth and their role players, we know that they might not play as well or shoot as well. But to be honest with you, even if they don't, that second unit, when you got guys like Brown, guys that can get hot, it's going to be, I think, you know, we saw L.A. go down 0-2, come back and win the two and tie it up 2-2. Uh, that's not, you know, to me, I think the Lakers, I'd be surprised if they got both games in, in, in crypto. I think everybody's going to give them game three. I think, you know, the, now I will tell you this, the scary thing if you're an L.A. fan and L.A. backer, all right, Matthew Rayner, L.A. Moneyline. Thought about you last night. Like, nope. Just like that commercial, that old fish. Almost had it. Oh, nope. But I will tell you this. What's scary for people like Matthew Rayner and Laker fans, go listen to that. I'll tell you, just keep listening to Mike Malone's post-game, post-press conference. This whole, this whole chip, like, I'm, that's why I've been giving y'all little seeds all season, keeping my ear to you. This is what's coming down the mountains. They remind me of the 99 Spur fans. Oh, nobody likes us. Nobody wants us to win. They have carried that, and basically their coach has made them carry that. And that's just on top of them possibly being the best team in the NBA or probably the best team left in the playoffs. I mean, they've got the best player left. Joker's nasty. His look, look, I'm not going to, you know me, I said about two or three times a week, there's levels to everything. I'm not going to put him where Akeem Olajuwon footwork, but I'll tell you I ain't seen nobody's footwork. He, it's close because Joker's footwork is disgusting. I mean, Anthony Davis is one of the best big man defense. I mean, big or mid, he's one of the best defensive players in the league. And it looks like they're going to have to send him some help before the series over. And Joker basically didn't even come out aggressive last night. He was he was passing up shots. He turned the ball over a little bit, get a little bit frustrated on the calls. I thought the rest were horrible last night. Tony Brothers, I, he needs to retire. I'm tired of looking at him. Okay, I know that's black on black crime, but I don't give a damn, man. Brothers need to go. Like that's a brother that brothers need to go. He that crew and look, I, I tweeted out about it. 
I use I even come in here and talk about, hey, man, that's the Gundy. The take rule. That's the Gundy rule. I don't know why they don't call it that. That guy just complained about that for five years on broadcast, play-by-play broadcast, to the NBA finally looked into it. That's the gunny rule. I'm usually down with him on certain rules. Last night, Stan, Jeff went to the arena in a bad mood. He just wanted to complain. The whole telecast, he was complaining about calls. And I, they lost a little bit of credibility with me last night. And Mark Jackson... And Gundy. For one, I just got nauseam of him calling Michael Porter a elite shooter. I'm like, man, you know more basketballs than I do in two lifetimes, Jeff. Like, I mean, come on, man. I ain't even I ain't even coached in a, in a church league, but I can sit there and know from my how in the hell you calling Michael Porter not just once because I was like maybe he slipped up, maybe he just got caught up. Nope, he came back a second time, three uh, elite shooter. No, he's not. He's part of the problem. But the thing that they Mark Jackson and Gundy last night on the Murray call on the call from, you know, um, it was it was D'Angelo that came down on the break. Murray's going and he comes down. It's the flagrant call. And they're going on and on like, oh, gosh, that's a flag. No way. This is horrible. And I'm like, do y'all not watch the games? I mean, I know they do play by play, but where have y'all been? That's the rules for the last few years. If you touch the face, I mean, yes, Murray was making, I mean, Russell was making a play, a basketball play on the play. He was trying to block it, but he came down and it was obvious he grazed his face. And for three or four minutes, Gundy, uh, you know, Jackson, they went on and on like that was such a horrible call. There were some bad calls last night and some inconsistencies, especially on some charges and non-charges. But that was obvious. And now in the 90s, no. I'm like, Mark, when you're playing, no, that wasn't a flagrant foul. But in today, in 2023, you touch a guy's face like that, they made the rules. They've got to call a flagrant two or flagrant one. So that last night, but Gundy just showed up to the arena wanting to bitch and complain. That's my opinion. But the Lakers, they're in trouble. They're in trouble. I mean, it's it's one of those. You have a coach that is this us against the world. I mean, Murray even talked like, hey, y'all never. We won the bowl. It was about Phoenix. We did this. It was about this. They've got this all listed. And they're now the head of the snake and Joker. He's being cool about it. He don't care. Now, whether he's using that inside, he's handling it a different way. Murray and Mike Malone telling you, they walking through the industry looking for enemies. Okay, that's what they doing. So the Lakers in trouble, and it just and, and again I'll say it again, Denver does not win that game two years ago. They just don't have the makeup. And again, Michael Porter hasn't like he's just come on the scene and just exploded. He's got so he's still struggling. But the difference is, and I said this yesterday, they can overcome that this year. What it looks like so far. Okay, but without a doubt, with the guys left playing right now, they got the best player in the league in the Final Four that's left. It's obvious that this is going to be a must win for the Lakers in game three. I think, what is game three Saturday or Sunday? Check on that for me because I know we've been in the other of the day, but you never know with the NBA because it's travel. Uh, but game two tonight in the Easter Conference, what do you got? Uh, game three is going to be tomorrow night, 730 okay. Central. Okay. Lakers at home favored by five and a half. Yeah. Lakers, though, out at Mandalay Bay and out the books. Lakers will get pounded tomorrow, especially on the uh, money line and, and the line. That I mean, you'll be given. But I would say proceed with caution because Denver, you know what, Mike Malone, they, they, I'm telling you, it looks like a team. And they started off slow. That's why I think Lakers, that was the game for them to steal. They don't get it twisted. They want to embarrass L.A. They're going to try to sweep them. Now, will they? I don't know. I, I, I doubt it. They, they, they shouldn't. 
But if they're not trying to sweep them, they're damn sure trying to beat them in five, and they've got the talent to do it. And I just feel that Anthony Davis and LeBron James just they're going to have to really play extraordinary over the next whatever games they got left to even have a shot to keep this series competitive. I didn't think Austin Reed. Austin Reed has had his moments, but I, they're not going to let – I mean, they're too – I mean, I don't look at Denver as this great, great defensive team. But they're a good defensive team, but they're good enough that they're not going to let Rees beat them every night. They're, they're going to have some attention to him. So this is just one of those situations that, yes, obviously it's going to be a must win for the L.A. tomorrow night, and they're going to have to get it done. Tonight we've got game two um, in B-Town. We've got Miami Heat, who's already stolen home court advantage and took in a 1-0 lead in the Eastern Conference Finals. They're going to be still in Boston, taking on Boston for game two. We all know playoff is cliche. It's about adjustments. Um, I think Miami, and I think this is the thing with Boston, and this is another thing that we've got to accept. This is just who Boston is, and I'm going to explain that when we get back. You listen to the Sports Grind. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a dose. We are broadcasting here from the Hazel Sky Online Studios. Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing. It's been the one and twos on this R&B Friday. We'll be back. Are you ready for a real cocktail? Then crack open a great tasting Zing Zang ready to drink cocktail, like our Bloody Mary with vodka in a can. It's full strength with 9% alcohol and America's number one Bloody Mary mix. Or try our mango margarita crafted with silver tequila and real mango puree. Unlike those hard seltzers, each can is made with premium spirits and real ingredients, just like a bartender made it for you. Zing Zang, always bold, always ready. Go to zingzang.com to find where to buy. Please Zing Zang responsibly. Official sponsor of the Sports Grind. For more than a century, the Pendleton Roundup has defined what it means to be a cowboy. It also gave life to something equally renowned, Pendleton Whiskey, capturing that unique spirit in every bottle and honoring the enduring legacy of the American West. Pendleton Whiskey is made with the finest northern grains and cut with Mount Hood Glacier water, a whiskey that celebrates the cowboy in all of us. That's Pendleton Whiskey. That's true Western tradition. Pendleton is the official whiskey of the PBR Tour. Pendleton Distillers, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Please drink responsibly. Pendleton Whiskey, official sponsor. Are you moving around the greater San Antonio area? Choose the storage experts. Tiger Moving and Storage. Whether you're moving an office or the whole family, Tiger Moving and Storage offers container drop-off and delivery with efficient, prompt, and cost-effective service. To learn more and to secure your portable storage container today, go to ChooseTiger.com. Tiger Moving and Storage, official sponsor of the Sports Grind. All right, back here on the Sports Grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing, spinning the one and twos. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a dose. We are broadcasting here from the Hazel Sky Online Studios. And this next segment is going to be sponsored by Pendleton Whiskey. Keep in mind, Pendleton Whiskey is an oak barrel aged whiskey distilled in Canada. Using the finest ingredients before building a glacier fed spring waters added from Mount Hood, Oregon's highest peak. Pendleton Whiskey delivers an uncommonly smooth taste and rich, complex flavor. 
That is Pendleton Whiskey, which is the official spirit of the Pro Rodeo Cowboy Association, and it's the official whiskey of the Professional Bull Riding Tour, which is the, the Velocity Tour, and it's the official whiskey of the Sports Grind and an official sponsor of the Sports Grind. 87737-GRIND. Um, game two tonight with Boston. Look, one of the things that's being floated out there, which is true, and, and, and I've told you, you know, it took me all the way till post-All-Star break to really feel like, what is the difference between this team and the Adoka coach team? And finally it hit me, like, you know what, when they were losing to some teams that they shouldn't have been losing to, I've told you all year, and that's why I pay close attention to that tonight. I think last time I checked, they're a nine-point uh, favorite tonight. Uh, they have the most losses to anybody in the end. I'm talking not just playoff teams. I'm talking about everybody in the NBA. They've got the most losses going into being heavily favorites, double digits or more. Keep that in mind. Um, what matches that is the inconsistent play of them. But what I came to a conclusion, I said, that's what this team is different. They don't have that edge. They don't have that nastiness all the way consistently like they did Adoka. And Adoka and, and, and Coach, Coach Mizuna, they, they basically coach different. Like Adoka was in guys' face at sometimes at timeouts. He coaches, I mean, he, look who he studied under. I mean, he studied, he studied under Pop. You know, I mean, that's just where he comes from that era. So to me, it's the edge. So really, you would think that Boston is going to come back tonight and swing a punch. I mean, this is pretty much, you know, I would think this is borderline pretty much a must-win game. Now, I will tell you, I feel Lakers game three is a way more must-must-win than really even if Boston goes down 0-2. It won't look good if Boston goes down 2 but let me tell you why. Because Miami, I feel like Miami, and I'm just waiting, and maybe it doesn't never come down, but I'm still waiting for that team for at least a half or maybe just one game, that regular 82-game regular season team to show up where they just have trouble scoring and their offense just goes to, to kaput, you know? Um, so with that said, Boston is just very inconsistent. And, and, and to me, you know, Tatum, you know, you go from scoring 50 points in a closeout game against Philly, and then you come back in game one and really struggle. And, and I had a feeling Tatum was going to – and Tatum, I think, for the most part, is going to struggle this series. I think he's going to struggle. Now, he might have his game – and when I say struggle, I'm talking about, like, look, Tatum can go get 25 to 30 in his sleep, but how many shots is he going to have to get take to get that? That's what I look at. I'm not telling you that Tatum's going to look in the box score and Tatum only scored eight points. No. Tatum's too good and that. But the problem with Tatum is, is that when he's struggling, like when it's not fluent like it was in that game seven, which Philly just made him too comfortable – we saw it in the finals last year against Golden State. We've seen it a little bit during the course of these playoffs so far. I saw it, you know, rear its ugly head every time in the regular season when he played a, a playoff type of team. And Miami and Coach Bo, they're coached very well. They're coached very well, and they play hard. And that's one of those things that Boston got to be careful because I do believe Miami. Miami's trying to come take game two, too. And I believe Boston's going to swing, and I think it could be a time where Boston at one time is up 12, 14, 15 points at one time if Miami comes out struggling. But the question is, and the question's going to be, can you finish? 
Can you finish them? Can you hold them out? Or are you going to let them back in the ball game? And all of a sudden, it's in the fourth quarter in this game. You know, Miami's within four or six. And then really that just pressure just starts to mount up. Like, man, we can't go back to Miami down 0-2. grind. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see. But definitely I expect a, a all-hands-on-deck effort from Boston. But, again, what are they going to do? If Bam continues to play like he did in game one, there it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. It is really going to be tough. I know you have the fairy tale of the Lakers and the Celtics. And I started thinking about that. I was like, Jonas in this whole, this was the year of the story tales. And the NBA, like he's Mr. Rogers walking through. Like, you want to tell a story, boy and girls? No, we're going to find out on the court. But the one thing I was thinking, like all this story stuff you on, and you were talking about this Lakers and Celtics, you never did once think about the possibility <clears throat> of LeBron versus Pat Riley and Coach Spo going against the Heat to the team that he decided to leave and go back to Cleveland. You don't think that'd be juicy? I don't think it's as juicy as Celtics Lakers. Uh, it's certainly, yeah. I, I don't even think it's close. Well, look, in the grand scheme of thing of the history of the NBA and those logos and tied seventeen seventeen, yes. But that's more from the fan base because a lot of these players, I mean, yes, I don't look at like, I I get it. And I'm not going to argue. I would say, yes, it is a more, but Le, you have to remember that when LeBron left Miami, it wasn't really on good terms. I remember the press conference Pat Riley had like two days later, and he's banging on like, hey, well, you know, are you going to be the first thing when things get tough? You're going to run out and look for the exit door? Pat would, Pat took that, and that all stemmed from, you know, Pat didn't let say, oh, hey, he didn't let Mavic Carter and, and whoever, oh, oh, yeah, they can fly the team playing LeBron. Pat Riley didn't allow that. Pat put it, Pat's the one VP and the one that LeBron wasn't able to sit there and say, he didn't, he didn't, and a lot of people believe that that played in the factor while LeBron's like, you know what, I'll, I'll go back home. Yeah, because Pat ain't having it. That's Pat Riley. So, yes, I will give you that if it's Lakers, Celtics, that would be intriguing. Both tied 17. We know the history, but I'm telling you that if, first of all, I don't think that's what we're going to get. We might get Miami and Denver, but I don't think Lakers is going to. I didn't pick them to win, but I damn sure I don't pick, I don't see them beating Denver four times out of the next five possible games. But, you know, stranger we, things have happened, but an LA and Heat series and the and the kind of expected that'd be juicy. We've already had that. That, that was the bubble finals. That was, that was count. the illegitimate title, you know, on LeBron's uh, resume. So, um, yeah, no, I don't count. I'm talking about an eight seed making a hell of a run, but we don't have to. Let's not go back because it's not going to happen, right? Because well, I don't it, think it's going to happen. And even Spolster said, I mean, we're not. Your, he said we're not your typical eight seed. He, he sees himself really. The, the the Heat is really a five. He's like we're not top three in the in the conference, but we're definitely top five. And he said that the other day um, to the media. But your question there does kind of because Boston is staring, and I get they're nine and a half point favorites tonight. But Boston is staring right in the face of potentially, like you said, going down to South mm-hmm. Beach, 0-2. Now the Lakers are going back to L.A. down 0-2. Of the two teams, which one has the better chance to survive? Because when we come out of the weekend, we're going to be another game deeper into the series for both teams. And they, and they, could, they, they both could be facing elimination in the first two days of next week. So your question is to me is which one has it, the better chance? Which one has the better chance? If 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 Boston does fall down 0-2 tonight, which right. team, the Lakers or the Celtics, can better dig themselves out in their series from being Celt- down 0-2? Celtics. Celtics. 
because and, and I see what Coach Bo is saying. He also said that he felt the playing game was the best thing that's happened to the NBA in a decade. I'm like, yes, Bo. I'm pretty sure I got all the respect, buddy, but for you. But I'm pretty sure you saying that. I totally disagree. But look, and and first of all, you're an eight seed. Like I understand what Coach Bo's saying. Like you, you, like the great Bill Parcell says, you are what your record says you are, and you are your seeding what you are. They played like an eight seed. Now they've gotten hot. And he might get hot at the dice table. He might get hot at the blackjack or the roulette table. Okay. But re- and they're playing great basketball because they're well coached and supposed one of the best coaches in the game. But the reality is they were an eight seed. Now, with that said, the reason why I say it's the Celtics, because again, Miami, look, if Jimmy Butler would really crap the bed two games in a row, regardless of the contributions they get from Bam, regardless of what they're getting from Kevin Love, Miami would be in trouble. The Heat would be in trouble. Jimmy's playing at a high level because Jimmy, the game is really slowed down for Jimmy. It really has. He's a he's a vet that's slowed down. It's not just about his athleticism or I'm gonna, you know, take you off the dribble or I'm gonna beat, you know. No, Jimmy is really like reading defenses and everything. So, but if he had two horrible games, they'd be in trouble. So I believe that Boston is more talented than the Heat, one through twelve. Um do they play as hard as the Heat? No. Are they as disciplined as the Heat? Not this Boston team. Um, and they're not as well defensively as this team. But I think Miami still has that boogeyman, you know, hiding around the corner for them that their offense could just go missing. There is nobody out there that saw Miami Heat three-point shooting the way they're shooting. How could you? They finished 27th in threes this year. And if they were playing possum, that was one of the best jobs ever in professional sports history. But I doubt it. That's what was taking place. But we'll see what happens tonight. I expect, you know, Boston to get back in this thing. But they got to be careful, man. They better put them away. And they've got to understand, you know, they can't, you can't. You can't expect that if you get out and you come the crowds out and you know this is a desperate game and next thing you know, Spoh's calling a timeout with three minutes in the first quarter because they're up 12 to 4. They're up 20 to 5 because Boston's came up. Miami's got to re- – I mean, Boston has to realize you better keep playing because that's just – that, that's, a, that's a pillar from Pat Riley. ABC rule. Now, for me, come from my background, what I was burped into, always be closing. Pats has always be competing. So he they've got to understand that's just what Miami does. They're, whether they they don't they, you know, it sounds cliche, but they are one of the very few teams that don't play the scoreboard. They don't. And that's hard to do. That's hard to program a team and condition a team not to pay a, to scoreboard. Bilicek has been able to do that. I put him, Nick, Nick Saban's one of those that can do that. Spo is one of those. It's very you know, no. I don't even well. I can't give that to Pop, even in even in the even in the early two thousands, even during the dynasty run. I can't say his teams really didn't play the scoreboard because when usually when the Spurs lost, even to the play when they got blown, they they got blown out. 
doesn't mean they weren't well coached, not disciplined, but I just don't think they were that. It, it that's a special like you got to really mold a team to be. I don't care if it's basketball, college football, NFL. If you have a team that really, because you hear coaches all the time, you hear it in youth sports, you hear it all the time. Hey, don't pay attention to the scoreboard. I know we're down. Don't worry about that. Keep playing. It's coach speak. There's only a two. There's only rare teams though. I don't care what level you're pl- talking about. There's only rare teams that really execute that. That's an art. That's an art. Not everybody's gifted to have that. You know, you're either born with it and you can basically instill that into a group of men or women, or you can't. 877-37-GRIND. All right, some other NBA news before we move on, uh, just really mainly off the court news. Uh, We've talked about this and been bringing this up, but it's kind of multiple reports today and official uh, that pretty much there are where there's smoke, there's fire. A lot of people are anticipating James Harden. Uh, We knew he was going to opt out, but a lot of people think he's going to opt out and find himself back in Houston. I told you how I feel about that the other day. You can check the podcast, uh, giving you the cliff note versions. I said that just translates to me when you talk about he wants to opt out, he wants to contract to freedom. And I never really finished my take yesterday with the James Harden, but I'll do that here right now. But besides that take, um, it just shows you that when you want a freedom, I mean, you don't want the pressure. Like, I don't know. I mean, I know Doc has his certain ways of playing. I don't even count Brooklyn because Steve Nash, they were trying to learn on the fly. So it's not like he was having to sacrifice so he couldn't be James. That freedom means I don't want the pressure, in my opinion. That's what he's saying. Now, with these reports surfacing that they're anticipating he's going to go back to Houston. The question I would have is, for one, why in the hell would Houston want him back with a young team? Um you know, having top three, five picks over the last few years. Why? I mean, is this one of these things that, you know, you got screwed and you you, you fell out the top three and you want to sit there and get out of jail? But why would you want to give them that money and why would you want to bring them back? That's one. Number two, if I and this is the take I didn't finish yesterday. If I was James agent, OK, if I was James Harden's agent. I would sit there and really advise him, look, it's obviously this is about the money with James Harden. He spends money like no other. Private jets, parties, limousine rides, jewelry to little baby rappers for their birthday. Oh, here, here you go, real quarter mil. What's up, flexing? Man, flex your ass in the clutch, man. When you going to flex your ass in the clutch? You can't buy that, James. Anyway, so you know James bought his money. If I'm his agent, I'm telling him, like, look, you got some bad film out there right now. Now, you got game one where you went and dropped 40 in Boston and, and B didn't play great, perfect. But if you start splicing up the Sabruder film over the last three years, you got some bad tape and some big moments. So my thing is, and I don't even know where the veteran, the minimum, because he's so many elite, he's got to get, he can only, he can't get no less than that. I don't know. Can't remember all those rules. All I'm just saying is what, what GM is really going to want to give James that much money? Like, so he was scheduled. If he doesn't opt out, I think he was going to make what, like $37 million, I think, or 30, or maybe it's probably more than that. It could have been 40, but I think minimum would have been like 37 in one year or maybe it'd be full over 40 and change but i know it's around the 37 to over 40 mark where's that uh 35.6 okay 35.6 so i thought it was a little bit okay you opt out who who where if you take james harden's age and you take obviously he's kind of lost some of his athletic ability 
I think Jalen Rose did a good job by pointing out he's only had one dunk all season long. That's all that needs to tell you. James used to, I mean, it's not like he was a high flyer ever, but he would finish dunking or he would get fouled when he bait people in foul, driving the basket. He can't just really do that anymore. So what G GM out there is going to pay James Harden $35 million a season right now? So that lets me know you really want to get back to Houston bad. Like, and you know, they've got what I've heard, and I don't know because I haven't been in no – I mean, have I ever been in Houston strip clubs? No, I don't think I've ever been in the Houston strip clubs because, I, you know, relationship dude, I've been in strip clubs. But I've been in out-of-town strip, but not H-town. But the word on the street is they got James Harden's jersey in some of them strip clubs. Like, they've got his jersey framed. and I'm like, damn, man, that did, what to put you in a rack? Them some racks you spend. But – this guy really wants to get back to H-Town because there's no expectations. He can hide and he loves the nightlife. And, and look at him how much money he's going to capitalize on on the next two. Because somebody's going to give it to him. But James ain't going to win no title. He ain't worried about winning no title. He doesn't even want to be on a team that got a chance to title because he don't want that smoke or that pressure. But the question is, and we can move on from this, but the question I have is, one, why in the hell would the Rockets want him back? And who really, and why would you pay James Harden anything above what he's opting out for? Go ahead. Uh, to answer your question, the veteran league minimum for a player of 10-plus years, which Harden is, uh, for 2023-2024 on Spotrack is $2.8 So we're way above that. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like you, would I'm you not saying. Him, would you pay a talent like Harden maybe like ten? Yeah, I'm not a guy, saying. A guy who's yeah, been there I'm not to gonna, be, you know, ten, yeah, fifteen. Yeah. A guy who's been there well, to first be around all, some do, of these young players. I'll do a little bit better. I, there's no way I'm going to disrespect James Harden. Talk about paying him two, three million dollars. You might as well just go and just retire. I mean, you might as well just go get a reality TV in a strip club or something. Like you're going to tour the best strip clubs in the country. I mean, you might as well go do something like that. The beards buffet. So, something. Wow. Wow, Jonas. Anyway, um, I'm saying, I'm, you know, if you put James around a bunch of young guys, you want some veteran leadership, you want this. I think we're, and James going to give you some nights where I think James can still get you 30. I mean, he's up for it. I would say maybe about, I'd say about 15 to 18. I'd say about 18. No more than 20. At the most 20. And, and, and if I'm giving them 20, and see, this is another thing. Is James selling you tickets? Is James Harden going to make your ticket sale? Good? Not really. Not at this stage of his career. But so in H-Town, though? No. He, he, he's can't. I mean, look, that's James. You know? Like, they, they in H-Town, they didn't see James at the convenience store. Hey, hey James. Like, you know, and that white man can't jump. Raymond, is that you? That was basically still, still with the ski mask on. I cannot believe that they're really going through with this and trying to do this movie again. I'm just so sick of this just generate. And again, I know they're on strike in L.A., you know, the writer strike, but it's just laziness going on. And I get it. There's a generation and some kids could be seeing this for the first time. Some movies are just mean to be left the hell alone. You listen to the Sports Grind. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a Dose. We are broadcasting here from the Hazel Sky Online studios. Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark, producer, Spit of the One and Twos. We'll be back. When life sounds too much like this, it's time to consider more of this. Sometimes a little shift is all you need. A dose of perspective. Dos X Lager. Get a dose. 
Enjoy Dos Equis responsibly. Copyright 2021. Imported by Cervezas Mexicanas. White Plains, New York. Whether you're looking for a date night at the Dominion or a light meal while shopping on the weekend, stop by Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion. Just five minutes north of the shopping center, Thai Lao Orchid's Vietnamese options are great for dinner or lunch, serving up staples from curry and noodles to the house special nam and seafood lovers steamed clay pot. They're open weeknights from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. and noon till 9 on Saturdays and noon to 8 on Sundays. That's Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion, official sponsor of the Sports Grind. It's time to warm up that scoreboard and get ready to bring home the win with Specs. Specs has you covered with lower prices on all your favorite fan fuel. From craft beer, rare spirits, and world-class wine to chips, dips, and gourmet finer foods. And with same-day delivery when you order online or through the app, Specs is your MVP for the biggest score of the game. At Specs, the fun starts here. Here's to you, Shout. cheers to savings. Just because the sun is setting earlier doesn't mean the fun stops sooner. Now is the perfect time to get to Specs and stock up on after-summer savings with fresh new releases in every category. Specs has Texas' largest selection of lower-priced wines, craft cocktail ingredients, and beers that'll have you raising a glass to every sunset. The biggest savings of the season are at Specs. The fun starts here. 